Hey guys, it's Adi Savir and you're listening to the All Blacks Podcast. Right to welcome everyone to the All Blacks Podcast, the first one in 2019. I'm JP Tocker and Andy Burt with me as usual. And we've got a guy on the podcast who I've been asking for an interview for ages. It is Nick Gill, the strength and conditioning coach for the All Blacks. Mate, welcome along. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Hey, Nick, mate. Um, it's heating up outside pretty hot in Wellington today. What have you been up to over the summer? Well, a bit of fishing, a um, bit of exercise. I'm training for, a, for an Ironman, so I've started training for, for, for that. Um, and lots of time with my family. So, um, yeah, lots of time at the beach and swimming and, and out in the boat fishing. So just trying to enjoy the beautiful summer. Obviously, you're a pretty um, fit and healthy man. How do you control that diet over summer, particularly that Christmas period? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I'm pretty. I'm pretty. I'm, I think I'm pretty normal. I, uh, I I love food and I love the cold beer um, and I love all the naughty stuff, you know, chocolate, and ice cream. So um, I still indulge and, and um, I suppose enjoy the, the finer finer things in, in life and. Um, but I just make sure I do a bit of exercise to counteract that. That's, that's probably how I get through it. And how about the players, mate, in terms of the ABs that you look after? Is there any kind of guidelines for them over that period or can they just um, cut a little bit loose as well? Oh, I think um, back in the day when I first started, probably the, the, the athletes probably let themselves go a little bit. Um, you know, went out to pasture for a month or two and, and then would take four or five months to get back to where they need to get to. So... Nowadays, um, the All Black players, at least, um, have, I suppose, learned through experience and through education that um, they just need to be a bit smarter around, you know, their time off over summer, um, because you know they're in great, they're in a great place. Come, you know, um, Super Rugby and, and international games for for the All Blacks, but it's very easy to to let that go, but it's very hard to get back there. So, I think most of them have learned that. You know, just um, keeping on top of it and still still enjoying themselves, but keeping on top of things so it's not such a big hard road back to peak performance. Um, so yes, they've got some guidelines that they've got testing on Monday uh, coming up. So all the All Blacks will come and see me in Auckland on Monday, and and we'll see where they're at. And you know, that's the start. So um, big year ahead, and hopefully we get some bloody good numbers. What are you going to be? What sort of tests are these? Yo-yos and Broncos and strength? Or is it a little bit more simpler than that? Oh no, everything. Uh, it's full day, so sprinting, um, you know, aerobic tests, strength tests, power tests, body composition, um, uh, uh, full body scans, um, you name it. So it's a it's a full day. We collect a lot of information, um, and we and we basically have been doing this for a few years, and it's just a. It's just our starting point, really, for the for the lads to to see where they're at after their, their six to eight weeks of of off season, um, and we're about four weeks out from their first game, so it gives us a really good place to be able to say, okay, you, you're in this place right now. We've got four weeks to get you to even better place in some of these other areas, and then start playing some footy. So uh, yeah, it's a pretty thorough day, um, and the guys get really competitive. So you know, it's definitely raised the standards across the group um, over summer because they know they're coming in to do this and they know everyone's watching and, and you know, having the best halfbacks in the country running, run alongside each other in a, in a yo-yo is, um, you know, there's no one wants to be the third halfback in that test, you know. 
Mate, apart from Pity Weepo aside, is who, who can you give us an indication of perhaps who enjoys Christmas a bit more than others? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I suppose um, they probably self-select. To be fair, um, I, I think the um, it used to be you know your front row, your props used to be the ones that would be the high-risk athletes over summer because you know they have a big appetite and they don't like to run so. Um, they tend to pack on the pies a bit more than others. Um, but that's probably not the case anymore. Um, you know, our props are, are becoming way more athletic than they used to be. Um, no discredit to the props gone by, but, um, you know, we've got props now that are lean and huge, um, whereas we used to have big boys that weren't necessarily lean and fit. Um, so, no, there's probably – I probably couldn't put a name on anyone that I'm expecting to come out um, of shape this summer. We'll make some assumptions here. Very, di- very <laughs> diplomatic response there, mate. <laughs> oh, guess, well, you never know. Guess, one of the boys might be listening, eh? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, I guess, like, <clears throat> like you say, that really has changed things. I mean, um, if you overindulge over Christmas, you're going to be showing up pretty quickly nowadays, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, definitely. It's especially, um, you know, it used to be that you sort of you, you, you have, a, have a month or two off and then just, you know, face the fact that you're going to have to work hard to get back to where you were. But, um, you know, the problem with that old way is that you used to you used to always get injured. You know, athletes used to be trying to burn off summer um, and end up getting injured um, and then carry that niggle or that injury through the whole year. So, yeah, this is their guys. This is the, 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 the player's livelihood. This is their, their career, their bodies, their tool. Um, and they're way better at looking after it than they used to be um, because it's so important. Um, and yes. it's so competitive. It's so competitive to stay in the top two or three in your position in the country. Yeah, so it's really interesting. We had Joseph Parker on the podcast a while back, and he was saying how he would drop, he'd be dropping ten k's to make weight for a fight. It just seems like rugby players maybe a bit better in terms of maintaining that fitness over a long period of time, where the boxers seem to just blow out a little bit and then have to go through all this work to drop their weight again. Yeah, yeah, I don't know too much about what what the likes of Joseph do on a day to day basis through a whole year, but. Yeah, it does appear that they have intensive periods of preparation for a, for a bout, and then you know big periods of time where they just go to pasture. So, um, yeah, I mean rugby's twelve months a year now. Um, you know the guys are out of all blacks at least are out of an environment for all of you know seven weeks, eight weeks where they actually have they're not preparing for a rugby game. Otherwise, for forty four weeks or 40, 42 weeks, they are. The, you know, in a team preparing for a game on Saturday. <laughs> Not a lot of time to, to sort of let yourself go and then build yourself back up. I've got some personal questions, but we'll leave those till later. I'm still uh, working on the summer bod. But, uh, mate, just sort of your background, and you've been with the All Blacks for quite some time. Uh, what were you doing before you um, took over the SNC role at the All Blacks? Um, so I... I was I, I, I didn't I, I love studying um, I studied physical physical education in Dunedin um, didn't really know enough at the end of that degree so carried on studying for another four years I love being a student so I did eight years study um, um, got my doctorate so got my PhD in physiology and started teaching um, and volunteered to help the Waikato rugby team back in two thousand or two thousand and one. Um, and it just sort of grew from there. I sort of started working with the props and 
and then I sort of got asked to do a bit more, and then every year I sort of got asked to do a bit more and more, and you know, rugby was becoming more and more professional, and and there was there was a there was a sort of a career pathway, I suppose, and I was sort of on that on that pathway, um, and so I was with Waikato for three or four years, Chiefs for four or five years, um, and was actually the assistant for the All Blacks in '04. Um, but I left after a couple of months, um, having another baby, and things were just a bit a bit hard on the home front. So um, I went away and, and did another did another four years with the Chiefs, and and then I you know I was lucky enough to to get the job in 2008 when Graham Henry um, got reappointed after the 2007 World Cup. So basically, an academic background, research background, um, and have been at SNC in rugby since yeah for 18 years. Did you did you study with um, Graham Lowe and Craig McFarlane in Otago? Yeah, yeah, Lowe was a good mate of mine. Yeah, he, he was who I was assistant to in two thousand and four with the All Blacks. So, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, and I stay in touch with Lowe. He's um, he's doing really well over in Aussie. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was sort of um, probably why I was lucky enough to get the job in 08 was because I'd 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 been sort of involved in helping Lowe through that. Through that, through the cycle before that, so yep. you know, the staff knew me and the All Blacks. I knew how the All Blacks operated, so I had a sort of a, maybe a little bit of a head start in the, in the application process. To be fair, yeah. And look, I um, a lot of older guys remember the ground low programs or rugby programs back in the day, and there was a lot of uh, simple movements and gym movements and things like that. How has um, you know the average or the, the one hour? session in the gym change from you know the the early 2000s or late 90s to, to now yeah it's, it's um it's interesting actually i mean I, I don't i don't really know how long a standard gym session is for a rugby player you know across the world or or even necessarily throughout new zealand um at different times of the year but i know that in our environment you know we have the one really big session at the start of a week and some guys have been in the gym for two, two and a half hours um, on a Monday morning. So, so the sessions have become uh, quite big, um, and and not a waste of time. But 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 basically, you know, we're trying to we're trying to do everything in, in one session. We're trying to recover. We're trying to address some mobility and movement. Um, we're trying to rehabilitate injuries or or prevent um, injuries. We're trying to get strong and powerful. Trying to put on lean mass. Um, and then we're trying to do some off-feet conditioning, um, you know, to try and keep pushing that bar of, of fitness. Um, so the sessions have, you know, I mean, I, I was with Lowe in 04, and the sessions that we used to do then are very different to now. Uh, back in back in back in that cycle, the the backs didn't do squats or lift weights with their legs because they got sore. So, you know, in the last um, 12 years, it's sort of it's become part and parcel of rugby play now. Is it's just standard practice, whereas you know, 12, 13, 14 years ago, it was it was frowned upon. So, yeah, things have changed quite a lot. There's a lot of work done in the gym. That's why players are bigger, um, you know, and and probably stronger. I wouldn't necessarily say fitter or faster, but they're definitely bigger um, and stronger. So, you know, that just means the collisions on the field are uh, way, way more uh, intense. And hence, we need to spend more time trying to prevent injuries because, you know, you're running some big pieces of meat, and um, and the risk of injury is high, and the severity of the injuries are high. 
You're talking about the player sizes. Um, we just put a picture up on your Facebook page a couple of days ago. It had Bernie McCarhill, Terry Wright, I think Foxy is one other. They all look like they'd be about 75 kgs. Um, now I'm wondering if they were playing in the modern game, would you be able to get them up to a size where they could still where they could still handle the contact, or how would that work with someone with the ability, but is only 75 kicks? How how would you work them into the professional professional game? Yeah, it's a good question because I, I think the um, I mean, I we used to always try to put body weight on people, um, and and for for logical reasons, um, you know, to withstand the collisions and the contact and to avoid injury and things like that. But you know, in the last few years, we've we've got a number of players about those sizes. You know, like Aaron Smith's only eighty kilos. Um, Aaron Cruden was playing at 82, 82 and a half. Um, Damien McKenzie's only 80-odd kilos. Um, and and what we've probably found is that it's not always the case that it actually helps you prevent injuries. It can can create injuries if we're trying too hard to put on muscle mass through through hypertrophy-type training. And, and so we've got to the point now, at least in my in my opinion, that, um, you know, that if they make our team, if they make the All Blacks, Damien McKenzie doesn't need to try and put on five kilos because – all of a sudden, he won't be as quick and as elusive. Um, it hasn't been a problem in the past for him around collisions. He's tough, um, you know, and so it, it, it hasn't. It, it doesn't become a, a, a project for me anymore. Um, all we try and do with those guys now is make sure that whatever got them into our team, um, we continue to try and keep it as a strength. So, you know, Aaron Smith's basically, uh, you know. Couple of couple of strings to his bow are his fitness and his pass, obviously. Um, so his fitness is a strength, and we keep it a strength. We don't try and keep him fit and put on three kilos or four kilos, um, you know. So so I think it's 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 very much a case by case basis. But you know, those guys, if they needed to put on weight and and it was going to enhance their performance, then then it wouldn't be a hard thing to do. Um, you know, I know Foxy pretty well, and. Um, I know that he loves to eat, so I don't think it'll be a problem um, putting weight on the weights program. <laughs> Mate, just drawing on comparisons of generations, um, I don't know if you got the chance to work with Christian Cullen, but um, there's some pretty good stories of him throwing around a lot of weight in the gym. How Could you sort of compare him to a Damien McKenzie now or a, or a Ben Smith oh, in yeah. terms of what he was doing back then and what guys are doing now? Absolutely. I mean, my, I never worked with, with Kelly. I would have loved to, but um, he was special and um, to watch, obviously. Um, and you know, I think that what we see now is, you know, he was probably a, a unique athlete back in that time um, in terms of his strength to weight ratio or his power to weight ratio, and that's why he was so elusive and so quick. Um, and I think we're seeing more and more people like him. Um, you know, Damien McKenzie's really strong. You know, he's really strong for eighty kilos, and that's and that's why. Touch wood, he doesn't get hurt, um, and that's why he's so quick, and that's why he can step like he can step. So, you know, we've we've got, um, you know, we've got we've probably got a number of people that are that have that unique strength strength to weight power to weight ratio that that Cully was reported to have back in the day. So, um, you know, and, and part of that's genetic and natural, and part of that's through years of hard work and training. So, um, you know, we've 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 always had a few people that are just like wow. You know, how does he do that? Um, 
and they're easy to pick out. You know, the guys that are powerful and quick and can step are, are the ones that can typically move load quickly. Mm. Who's moving the, the most amount of load in the gym of the All Blacks at the moment? Or, yeah. or generally over the last 12 months? The most? Like, who's the strongest? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... <laughs> People always ask that, but if we talk about a squat, if we talk about squatting, so, you know, your ass to grass, so a full squat, um, you know, our props are pretty competitive, and and those guys, and I'm talking Offa, Owen, um, Nepo, Joe Moody, you know, they'll all be looking at each other come Monday, probably with 250 to 270 kilos on their back. Um, and so that's a whole lot of weight. Um and, and they train with that on a Monday during test week. Yeah. So, you know, that, that never used to happen. It's just standard practice now. Um, but I'd probably say um, uninjured, um, the strongest guy in the team would be Joe Moody across all lifts. What does what he deadlift? Hasn't uh, deadlift for a while, um, but he's, right. he's a regular mid-200 squatter. Um, when his shoulder's good, he's a... He's a solid, you know, 160, 170 bencher. Um, you know, cleans good loads. Um, you know, Nepo's pretty close as well. Nepo Lalala's pretty close to, to him as well. They're pretty competitive and they're good mates. So, um, mm. yeah, and, and and we don't tend to go for absolute maxes all the time. We sort of just lift heavy, heavy regularly, you know. So um, that's why I'm a little bit vague. It's sort of... You know, on a good week, they'll they'll push the boat out a bit and hit some hit some bigger numbers. In other weeks, we will just keep the boat tied up to the wharf. You know. So are they ultra competitive in the gym. Those um, those big fellas when they're um, pushing for those big numbers, they're pretty competitive to see who can come out on top on any given day. Or yeah, it's it's the, the, everyone's getting a bit smarter. You know, um, again, a while ago it was all about the numbers in the gym, whereas you know we've learned pretty quickly that it's that's that's important to to keep a track of where you're at and keep trying to be better but it can't compromise your ability to practice rugby and and play the game so so we don't tend to max out all the time but um yes there's competition and people always looking sideways um you know at what the what the the competition's doing in the team um and and that's a i suppose that's a, something that i get a lot of satisfaction out of with the all blacks is that there's competition to be better but everyone helps each other be better, um, you know. So, so you know, I'll have I'll have props coaching each other on their squat. You know, it's 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 really special. So, you know, everyone's trying to help each other get better, but they're also conscious of the competition for the spot to start. You know, so um, um, yeah, it's a pretty nice environment to to continue to push, um, you know, standards and 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 boundaries. And with someone like a Sonny Bill Williams, mate, who's such a seasoned athlete across you know numerous sports, do they kind of slot in and do their own thing is, in terms of he knows what, what's best for his body? Or, or do you still have a lot that you can add to elevate his game and his physical presence? Yeah, I think um, lots of players think they know what they should be doing. Um, and and um, I suppose as they get more and more experienced, that you know, they are – they're living inside their body, so they they know their body better than anyone. Um, but someone like a Sunny Bill is, you know, I, I love working with Sunny because he's so keen, he works so hard, and and he, his his work ethic is second to none. Um, but we've been trying to coach him and teach him over the last two years around, um, you know, smarter, not harder. Um, you know, and so 
he can run all day and push himself and, and, and you know, really go deep into the hurt box. But, um, you know, whether that helps him be explosive and quick in the field, on the field for 80 minutes is something we've been we've been trying to improve. So, um, no, we definitely get involved and and help lead the athlete to where we think they need to go. Um, and that's ongoing, that's daily, that's weekly, that's, that's all the time. Um, you know, even to the point of, hey, an athlete might turn up with a with an idea of what they think they need to do that day, um, based on what we've got planned. But we'll adjust on the on the spot, um, you know, based on what we've seen, based on what they look like when they walk in, based on how they're feeling, how they slept. Um, you know, so it's an ongoing pro- coaching pro- process that that I'd like to think is you know a collaboration versus a, a dictatorial sort of do this because I'm telling you to do this. It's more a discussion of this is what. What do you think? What do I think? Okay, let's do this. It's not a one size fits all, is it? No way. So, th- so obviously Monday is the first day of the year. You guys are catching up Rugby World Cup year. Um, obviously, a lot of planning's going into it. So, what are the key couple of key things that you guys are thinking about in terms of managing the workloads for these guys heading into uh, what's going to be a massive year? Yeah, it's um, oh, I'm sure it'll come up in the media a fair bit over the next few months. But you know what what we've what we've done with with, with you know the All Blacks and Super Rugby in the in the past probably eight years is we've we've tried to we've tried to ensure that um, players are looked after through the whole year, not just um, um, certain parts of it, and and that's a that's an ongoing process between the All Blacks, New Zealand Rugby, and and Super Rugby. Um, where you know we need to be acknowledging the fact that these players are playing. Like I said earlier, forty odd weeks a year they're in an environment, and so we need to make sure we're not just rolling the players out there every single week because they're the best players in the country. Um, we need to be thinking long term, big picture, um, and, and not even just you know this year, but the year after, and the year after, and the year after. Um, if we don't look after our players, they won't be they won't play well all year. If we don't look after our players, they'll get niggles, and therefore they won't play well all year. And if we don't look after them and make them feel like they're in the best shape possible, they'll leave. Um, so, so we're working really hard on that, and and, and there'll be some some um, rests for the All Blacks through this year, just like there was last year. Um, it's it's a World Cup year, but it actually doesn't change. It's no it's no 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 more unique than any other year because we still have to win every game at the end of any other year as well. Um, and so it's it's something that we're trying to work on is, is looking after our players 12 months a year. Um, and New Zealand rugby are driving that pretty well, and, and it's just something that we'll keep, we'll keep getting better at. Um, and so there'll be guys having weeks off um, during Super, um, which is about them playing well for their Super club as well as playing well for the All Blacks. Do you think players kind of understand that, or a lot of players, do they just want to play every single game, or do they kind of understand they need to have a break to ensure their bodies at, at peak condition? It's a great question, and and I think that we were getting to is I think young players just want to play every week, um, and the older players are becoming more and more aware that actually this is important and we need to just do it. Because the you know the dividends will come later in our career, you know, and and I think that that's that's what we're seeing is um, you know older players realising actually I love playing, but if I want to play for longer and at a high level, I need to just make sure I take some of these opportunities to have a rest. Um, 
So, yeah, I think that's that's what I'm seeing anyway. Younger players just want to play. And part of that's because that's just what they do and they love it. But part of it's also because they don't want to give anyone else a chance. Um, you know, whereas probably the more experienced campaigners that are probably more confident in their ability to, to make the squad or make the team or, or, or you know, maybe they, they're a bit more confident that a rest isn't going to necessarily give someone else a crack. Yeah, prime example of that has to be Ben Smith. I mean, he had that sabbatical and came back like he's 15 years younger, didn't he, last year? Absolutely. A great example, you know, and, and, and we'll see. We'll also see that, you know, in the next few months, I imagine, um, around some of our other uh, other top senior players where, where they're looking ahead thinking, okay, how do I get through another four years? And, um, and New Zealand rugby are great at, at, at you know, there's no – and fast rules. It's well. Let's figure out how we can achieve what's best for you and what's best for New Zealand rugby. And I think that that's what's going to become more and more evident. Is you know, guys either starting a season a bit later and having a longer break, or guys having more time off in a, in a season, or guys going overseas for a short time. You know, and I, and I think that you know we just have to all be aware that it's all about maintaining high levels of, of performance for a longer period of time not just here and now. With the analytics that gets provided to you guys, and look, I know they're capturing a lot, and um, are you able to, to look at that data and understand the output or the work ethic week to week that, that um, the, or the involvement of a player on the rugby field and then sort of be able to make a call on whether, look, that in the last two or three weeks this person's um, output has been, you know, 90%. So, look, we, we need to give them a call and probably tell them, to have a week off, or or we need to manage we need to manage the things he's doing off the field. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, we, there is a lot of data out there, but you know, typically a game for let's say talk about Ben Smith. Typically, a, a game for Ben, you know, it's a standard game is a standard game, you know, and it's related to how long he's on the field for. So, you know, if he runs nine kilometers in one week, he might run eight and a half the next week. He might he might kick the ball five times on average, and he might. He might run the ball six times um, for 40 metres. You know, a game's a game for, for most players most times uh, through the year. Um, I know that some of our coaches will see performance drop-offs, so maybe increases in errors, for example. Um, and so maybe that's a sign of form, which could indicate fatigue. Um, and, and this is, I suppose, why we're wanting to ensure that there's breaks for these guys is because... Um, often when you start seeing things like that, it's too late. You know, the horse is bolted. You, you, if you start having to rest guys because they're injured and losing form, well, it's going to take weeks to come back. So, so I think we were trying to get to is, you know, more regular rests so that we're actually staying fresh and staying on top of things before things fall off or fall, fall away. So, um, but a lot of the information we get, um, you know, doesn't take into account the, the mental side of, of the game and being a professional athlete. Um, and I think that's what we're trying to get better at doing is actually see you later. We don't want to see you for a week. Um, and I know that sounds amazing for, for, for those of us that have other jobs that are, you know, nine to five, 48 weeks a year. But, um, you know, what, what, what these guys have is they have absolute structure every single day seven days a week where they have to be here then, be there then, do this, smile here, sign this. Um, and it's just that structure that becomes monotonous. Um, 
So we're trying to ensure that mentally we're, we're also trying to look after that side of the athlete. And mate, looking at Japan, potentially All Blacks are going to spend six weeks here later this year, and you were there for two weeks last year, mate. What are the um, challenges you face there in terms of, I guess, food, travel, language, gyms, and how does that affect all what, you, what you're doing with strength and conditioning with the team? Yeah, it was wasn't too bad. Um, you know, it's 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 another country, it's another language. It's um, you know, it's I suppose um, I haven't had a World Cup in a country that hasn't spoken English before. So I've had a World Cup in England and, and New Zealand. Um, so that that's that's a difference is the language. Um, but you know, we, we have translators and liaison officers that all speak Japanese and English, and it's not too bad. Um, <coughs> I suppose, and the food's amazing. Um, the people are beautiful, um, and the cities are where we, we stayed. It was it was fantastic. So there was no huge barriers or issues. Um, I suppose the gyms are a bit of a challenge for us. Um, you know, like we were <laughs> we were training at a gym prior to the um, to the Japan game, and and the, the, they build the gyms with low roofs, so you can't actually lift anything above your head. Well, our athletes can't, you know, because Maybe their athletes might be able to, but our athletes are, you know, their heads almost touching the roof, so they can't lift anything above their head or jump. Um, so some gyms are a little bit limited. The public gyms are tiny um, because, you know, obviously space in Tokyo's, you know, at a premium. So um, yeah, it's it's just one of those things that, that I think with World Rugby have got a got plans in place for some pop up gyms and things. So temperature will become an issue. Heat's going to be a bit of a challenge for the first couple of weeks. Um, but otherwise, it'll just be, it'll just be no, you know, not a lot different to when we travel for five weeks at the end of year tour. Um, there's always challenges with facilities, um, you know, and and environment and weather. So we've just got to make sure we're prepared and plan for that. And, and as you said, we're, we've been doing that for a number of months now. So hopefully, it'll all be sorted. Hey, mate, moving along, just uh, your book, Health Yourself, and um, having a little bit of a look, it's, uh, it's a pretty comprehensive, um, got, would you call it a guide to um, probably someone like myself and Andy, who are a little bit washed up, and I do CrossFit, and Andy does some other stuff, you know? Um, yeah. How would, how would you break it down? Oh, you too, you, I think you're a bit hard on yourselves, you know, you both look all right. <laughs> I'll take that. Um, yeah, no... Like I really enjoyed putting the book together, but the reason I put it together was, um, I suppose, some of the work I do outside of um, rugby is helping people become healthier, and a, a really clear frustration or a really clear gap for for that I identified was it's just pure knowledge. People just don't know stuff, and um, and so most of us learn about health through magazines with someone on the front cover with a six-pack or TV where a certain cereal's been advertised as being high in protein or, or whatever. Um, and so most of us gather our knowledge through marketing and what we see on TV or in, in magazines. And unfortunately, a lot of it's really misleading or confusing or, or contradictory. And so I've just tried to put some stuff in there that, that will help people learn a bit more about food learn a bit more about exercise um, and be able to come up with their own sort of tweaks. Um, you know, I said at the very start, like I love my beer, I love my food, um, love my exercise. And and I used to I used to exercise and overeat and just get tired. Um, and I think that's probably what a lot of people would do is 
it's actually far easier to just eat better. Um, you don't need to exercise as much. And and I think that that's when people get that, people realise it's about it's about what they put in their belly. Um, doesn't mean you can't eat amazing food. Um, and so that's what I've tried to put together is a bit of a, a bit of a toolbox, a bit of a toolkit to help you tweak how you live, not give you a, a training program, not give you a diet, but give you some tools to be able to make some tweaks that are really easy to do that'll change your lifestyle and your health significantly. What are the couple of the myths, the biggest myths in the health and fitness industry at the moment? Or, or, the, or a couple of things that you find most frustrating? Oh, biggest thing is all these different ways of eating. Um, all these different diets, you know, paleo, gluten-free, fasting, um, you know, keto. intermittent fasting, keto, um, high-fat, low-carb, all these different ways of eating that, that really confuse people. And and I think that um, the, the easiest thing, I reckon the simplest way for people to think about it is your body's just like a car. And, um, you know, if your car's parked in the garage, do you need to put any fuel into it? Probably not. It's not going anywhere, right? But if you're going for a drive up north and you're going to be driving for three or four hours, you need to make sure you've got some fuel on board or you need to put some in it at the end of it. And, um, and our bodies are no different. So regardless of the style of eating that you're going to do, it's, it's all about the type of fuel you put in and how much you put in. Um, and, and so I think the biggest, the biggest issue out there for people is, um, is, is actually that you have to diet. I don't think you need to diet. If you diet, it doesn't last long. You know, if you diet, it, it's you, you're basically you're telling yourself you you have to not have some things, and you're only allowed to have this much, and it's depressing. You know, like you should be able to eat what you love eating, and get rid of stuff you don't need. Um, and a prime example for for me, for example, is um, you know I hardly eat rice or bread or pasta. Um, I still do occasionally, but I hardly ever do um, because I don't need it. It's just energy that I'm not going to burn, and it tastes like nothing. Um, you know, when did you last eat a, a plate of plain rice? Never, you know. You, you, if you're going to eat it, you're going to cover it in salt <laughs> or you put a curry on top of it. Try having the curry on top of broccoli instead of, instead of rice. So, yeah, I could go on and on and on, but but I think that that's probably um, the biggest, the biggest, I suppose, misconception is that you have to diet um, and also that you have to exercise really hard. You don't have to exercise really hard. You know, you can... You know, so I think Andy, you said you do CrossFit. I love CrossFit, but man, it's hard. And most people do it, get injured, um, or don't do it for very long. Um, some people do. Some people, it's a lifestyle, fantastic. Um, but I think it's just just figuring out what you love doing that you're going to enjoy doing for the rest of your life, and I think that helps with with staying healthy forever. No, I guess you know you've got obviously different body types. Um, people have different. Metabolisms work in different ways, and everything. So this is this book will give you the tools, and then you can go off and work out what what works best for you as an individual. Absolutely, you know, and 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 people, you know, people will say they're gluten free, and people will say um, they're allergic to dairy, and 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 like I think the key thing is experimenting with what works for you and what doesn't work for you, and not being afraid of trying stuff. You know, try not eating for a day. You know, see how you feel. Try try getting rid of sugar from your coffee. Um, Try not having carbohydrates at breakfast. Try having, you know, a, a high fatty protein breakfast, and see how, how often you need to eat after that. So I think that um, body types, genetics, lifestyle, work stress, family stress, all that, um, everyone's unique, and 
and hopefully in the book there's some tips here to help everyone in everyone's situation um you know make a few tweaks and, and experiment a little bit around the fringes mate can i just a, a few if there are a few younger fellas listening to this uh this podcast um in terms of two or three really simple things that they should be doing um either in the gym or or on the track what would you recommend that they'd be Okay, if we're talking about young rugby players, boys and girls, men and women, I think the I think the the three simplest things that I'd I'd make sure young people focused on was skill. You know, rugby athletes, it's skills the priority. Um, no matter big, doesn't matter how big and strong you are, if you've got poor skills, you're not going to go far. Um, so skills are very very important to keep working on. Um, when it comes to the physical side of the game. Um, you know, I think aerobic fitness gets gets underestimated, but it's really, really important um, as a base for young people. Is build an engine that that can that can go eighty minutes and go eighty minutes well. Um, and then, obviously, the the third thing is around. I suppose I'm going to call it <coughs> functional movement or functional strength. And and why why I'm sort of saying that is because it's not just isolated strength. You know, bench squat chin. It's actually really good movement under load, um, you know. So that means um, mobility. That means flexibility. That means being able to get your hips, you know, below your knees um, and have load on your back. So um, I think functional strength is really, really important because because rugby is a game of moving bodies, collisions, you know, pushing, pulling, jumping, throwing, and so we need to be functionally sort of strong to be able to execute those roles. Um, so that would be the three things, and if I was to allow to add a couple more, is would be eat well and sleep well. Um, you know, eating and sleeping, regardless of whether you're an athlete or not, is you know absolutely fundamental to being healthy. Um, and uh, and those sorts of things, eating well, functional movement, sleeping, will help you stay injury free. So um, you know, you're not going to become a better player if you're always injured. And talking about younger people, mate, at what age do you think a health and fitness journey should begin in terms of uh, proper nutrition and training and things like that? Oh, hey, I'm a I'm a bit of an idealist, but I'd love I'd love you know kids from the moment they they're born to be you know taught to eat better from their parents. Um, I think the the challenge for for everyone is is you know I was reading something last night, um, you know. I think the 10 top diseases in Australia, if you look at them, um, they're all linked to nutrition or can be linked to nutrition. Cardiovascular disease, diabetes, um, you can't really link cancer to it, but you know, you've, got, you've got a lot of major chronic illnesses and diseases that can be linked to, to poor nutrition. So um, you know, the sooner we learn to eat better um, and, and have more nutrients in our diet and less calories in our diet um the healthier we'll all be for longer so i don't think that journey can start too soon um but it's not about dieting so i'm just I, I, like i think that's important we're, we're not talking about young people should diet we're saying people should learn how to eat better eat healthy um as soon as they can mate uh j- just one one for me i'm uh, i'm 36 the old uh, body's starting to slow down a bit um I'm the CrossFitter, and uh, <laughs> the, old, the knees and back end sore. But um, mate, could you recommend 
like in terms of supplements and things like that, are you um, prescribing those to your players and some of the older fellas? Oh yeah, no, we use supplements for sure. Um, you know, but again, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't come before we nail nutrition. So we nail our food, real food first, and and then use supplements where we think we need to use them. Um, yeah, supplements are interesting. I, I think the um, often people will use supplements because it's almost a uh, not a shortcut, but it's an easier option. Um, and, and I think that you should only you be using supplements if you're needing them because of time constraints, because of ability to eat enough, um, or you know uh, it's it's more realistic to grab a protein shake um, and drink it in the car on the way to work or on the way to school than sit down and have you know a, a chicken breast. So um, I think that supplements have a good good place um, if they're used right at the right time, uh, but but just a good protein. Good proteins are pretty important because um, most of us struggle to get enough protein within our three or four feeds during a day. Um, and and obviously any any form of fueling for long sessions is important, um, whether it's a carbohydrate or whether that's some some good good fats or proteins. What about creatine? Has the the view on that changed? Was that still widely no, used? No, creatine's still used a lot. Um, and you know, creatine's it's a basically it's a fuel that's stored in the muscle and, and if we have bigger stores of it we can sort of do more maximal work and recover quicker to do more maximal work. So, you know, rugby's an intermittent maximal effort game. So um creatine is definitely a a, a performance enhancer um and it helps with your know, training quality and quantity. So um no definitely a a good product still. Can I ask one more question for up on the creatine, which um, hopefully there's lots of people listening that want to know this, but is a, a like a monohydrate form of creatine okay, or do you need to buy the, the more expensive the more expensive ones? Oh, I, I think the, um, when it comes to any of those supplements, um, more expensive doesn't necessarily mean better. Um, but what you'll find if you, if, you, if you read enough about the product, it's um, you know, like creatine so much more refined and easily absorbed than it used to be. It used to be like like sand. Um, yeah. Back in the day, 20 years ago, it was like sand. It wouldn't dissolve. It was just horrible stuff. Um, whereas now it's a really fine, fine powder. Um, and, and I think that I can only assume, I haven't read any studies on it lately, but um, I can only assume that the more refined and simpler the, the creatine, that the easier or nicer it is to absorb. Um you know, so if we think we're trying to absorb it into the blood and into the muscle, the the finer and simpler it is, the probably the better effectiveness it's going to have. Yeah, yeah the the loading of it years and years ago used to be, used to have to truck like down down it three four times a day, and it, it was, was grape juice in particular. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's the protocol now? Yeah, so well, yeah, like loading, loading. We don't load, but we basically use it most days. Um, and just have a little bit of it every day um, around training sessions. So, um, you know, I mean, basically, uh, I think the the loading patterns have sort of dissipated away as the quality of the of the creatine has improved. Um, but we basically just have it as a standard a standard pre training drink um, for most of our athletes. Um, a few people struggle with creatine because they either get some some swelling or some fluid retention. Um, uh, but generally, probably seventy-five percent of athletes would be using creatine. Mate, there'll be a few um, rugby players listening to this podcast. What do you think is the ideal pre-match meal? 
Oh, good question. Um, you know, this this is something that um, I mean, if you are you new to rugby um, or you're a young athlete, I think it's a matter of trying to again experiment a little bit with what works for you. Um, so, so when when we have a pre-match meal, we have so many options because everyone is different. You know, Brad Thorne used to have a banana sandwich. That was it, and he'd had that since he was twelve. A banana sandwich four hours out from a game. Um, some people will have fish and pasta and spaghetti. Um, some people just have poached eggs on toast. Um, so it, it has to come down to how you feel come kickoff. So if you feel heavy and bloated, then I'd suggest you've eaten too much of the wrong stuff. Um, if you're feeling hungry and flat and low on energy, you haven't eaten enough. Um, and some people will eat five hours out, some will eat three hours out, and it's got to depend on each individual. So I'd experiment a few things uh, a few times, try some some blends of carbohydrate, protein, fat, um, try different quantities of food and different time periods away from the game. Um, you know, our standard, our average athlete probably eats um, a sandwich or some poached eggs and bread um, four hours out and then they'll have a banana or an electrolyte drink um, or some creamed rice or something an hour or two out. So there's just little snacks. Most players don't like playing, feeling like they've got a full belly. Um, so you sort of um, you just need to experiment. Now, talking post-match, mate, I know a lot of players like to, um, a couple of hours after the game, go and have a takeaway, whatever it may be. Um, is, that, is that something you've got to endorse that they can go out and, and do that, or is that, um, is that a bit of a cheeky one from the players? Yeah, um, I mean, in the All Blacks, we don't do that. Um, in Super Rugby, I'm sure that a few players might do that on the way home if there's no function to go to. Um, but I think the um, <clears throat> this is what I mean about 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 dieting, I mean, this fast food's fast food, right? It has a place, people crave it, um, but you can have better options of fast food. So, you know, you can have, let's, what sort of fast food, John, are you talking about? Yeah, you know, your, your KFCs or McDonald's, or I know a lot of them like to pop through the drive through occasionally. The ones you go to, JP, eh? Um, yeah, but, yeah. But, <laughs> my favourite. Um, well, like, like if you're going to, if you're going to takeaways, we'll just, just get, just get burgers and get rid of the chips and soft drink. You know, like mm. the chips and soft drink are where all the energy is. These, I'm not saying that the burgers are, are healthy for you, but but you can actually have healthy options within any takeaway or drive-through. Um, it's it's often the things we add on. It's often the extra large Coke and the extra large fries that just take it way beyond what should you should be having. Um, and and so I think you, you can still you can still have healthy options. And I'm not saying don't do don't do takeaways, but um. You know, it's one of those things where we just 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 be conscious that hey, you could actually just have a couple of big decent burgers rather than a burger and a huge coke and a huge box of fries. I'm loving that advice. Oh, I'm not. I'd, I'd like to add a few wicked wings on the order, some potato and gravy. Hey, mate, um, health yourself. I see it's available on pretty much all platforms. Kindle, you can get it on the iPad, iTunes. Uh, in the good bookstores. Mate, you got an audio book coming for the lazier people? No, I haven't actually been asked about doing that. But, um, yeah, mate, maybe, maybe maybe one day down the line that might happen, but at this stage it's not planned. But, yeah, all good bookstores are on those online platforms that's available. 
Mate, we've we've actually got a copy of your book to give away on the um, All Black social media channels. So, um, how should we choose a winner? Oh, yeah, that's a that's a good uh, good question. How how about how about the winner that submits the best health tip for um, for any person to to help them on their journey of, of becoming healthier? Like so, it. So the winner, So just repeating that. So you've got to comment with your best health tip underneath the um we'll, we'll do a little expose wherever here. you've seen this post you yeah. may have seen it on youtube twitter yeah. or facebook here yeah, just yeah. post your best health tip and uh, nick you'll check out all those and select the winner to get a signed yeah, copy of your book yeah it's good fantastic i appreciate your time today i know you're a busy man um if you could please get on your Insta on Monday and maybe post a couple of uh, PBs in the old squat rack of the boys we're uh, <laughs> the CrossFit Nation's always interested to see how they're going okay sounds good we appreciate your time very much mate all the best for the season and we'll talk soon thanks Nick thanks very much thanks, thanks for having me guys thank you see ya bye, bye. bye.